TRICARE, the Defense Department's primary health care delivery system, faces the same attempts at fraud and abuse as Medicare. Now a proposed rule would give TRICARE administrators the power to impose civil penalties, fines, on fraudsters. There's even a name for the proposed new program, Military Health Care Fraud and Abuse Prevention. Joining me with Joining me with what they're planning is the Deputy General Counsel at the Defense Health Agency, Brian Wheeler. Mr. Wheeler, good to have you on. Good morning. And we also have the Associate General Counsel of the Defense Health Agency, Mike Zleet. Mr. Zleet, good to have you on. Good morning. Let's start with you, Brian. The question I have here is, hasn't the Defense Health Agency, the TRICARE system, always had the ability to find fraudsters? We, yes, uh, we have had that ability, but really uh, what this... Uh, proposed rule does for us is it gives us another tool in our toolkit and it further uh, enables us to uh, use the monies that we receive uh, to go back and, and do even more uh, health care fraud uh, prevention and enforcement. Uh, you know in the last 10 years the federal government has been the victim of close to 10 billion dollars of health care fraud in TRICARE alone, in the last four years, uh, we've seen close to $2 billion of health care fraud. And uh, we noticed that there was a provision that was available to us that we weren't taking advantage of. And that's how we uh, came up with this proposal. And this provision came from a recent NDAA, or has it been there for many years? It's been there so, for um, many years. It was part of the actually the HIPAA legislation in 1996, um, which uh, extended... Uh, HHS has had a civil monetary penalty law uh, since the 80s, but in 1996, this specific law was extended to all federal health care programs, and uh, for various reasons, DOD did not implement it until now. And earlier you mentioned that there's about $2 billion in fraud that you're aware of. What form does that take in the case of TRICARE? Well, the, the bulk of it has been uh, in the area of, of pharmaceutical frauds, and particularly uh, compound pharmacy fraud. Now, most of that occurred... Uh, within uh, uh, calendar year 2014 and 2015, and we put a, uh, a crimp on that in 2015. However, uh, this remedy is still available for us as we uh, proceed in uh, additional enforcement actions against those uh, different frauds. And how does the system discover these frauds? And I guess once someone else discovers it, it gets referred to the general counsel's office? Well, we, have we actually have a program integrity division uh, in our uh, headquarters out in Aurora, Colorado. And uh, they, together with our pharmacy team, are primarily the, the sources of the uh, fraud cases that we see. But uh, we also uh, uh, have the ability to uh, look at uh, allegations of fraud brought from uh, any different sources, including other governmental agencies, as well as the public. I mean, there's a DOD fraud, uh, waste, and abuse hotline as well. Yeah, Mike, what to what extent do whistleblowers help you out in this whole effort? One of the elements of uh, this new law that, or this new regulation that we're proposing is to do a self-disclosure protocol, which would allow people to self-disclose any violations, which will allow us to uh, identify um, much broader scopes, and then we would then impose maybe a lesser penalty uh, upon those people who self-disclose uh, any violations. In regards to whistleblowers, our program integrity office does, they can give you a better estimate of exactly how many whistleblowers and people are calling into to their, their current hotline. But that is a regular channel for this kind of information. Yes, it is. Sure. And if someone self-discloses, it could also be just a error and not an intentional fraud. 
does that pick, does that figure into how sure. you consider the case? Exactly. So we're going to do a, a full review of the case, all, all the elements, uh, establish um, what we think uh, occurred, and then um, either you know talk to them uh, if, if it's truly an error. We would not uh, impose. Uh, civil monetary penalty in those instances, in those cases that uh, we do have a good case, we'd move forward on. We're speaking with Mike Zleet, Associate General Counsel, and Brian Wheeler, Deputy General Counsel, both at the Defense Health Agency. And tell us more about this proposed rule, what it would, uh, what specific powers and so forth, and how you would go about setting fines. Luckily for us, uh, as I said, HHS has had this authority for quite some time, and uh, we are working off of the current authorities that they have, uh, and they've extended that, those authorities to us. So we have a great model um, for our rule uh, that HHS has already provided, and, and our, our regulation ha- tracks um, as closely as possible, as applicable to TRICARE as we could, the HHS regulation. That's uh, done for, for various purposes. So Anybody who encounters the new TRICARE program is going to be familiar with it to the extent that they've ever been involved with the Medicare program that's been going on for quite some time. I imagine a lot so, of providers do cross over both programs. Yeah, and the, the, I would, in most cases, they're going to treat uh, TRICARE beneficiaries, Medicare beneficiaries, and then, you know, when they submit a claim, it's going to be a mix of both. And you bring up an interesting point. I didn't realize that there is that much collaboration between the whole civilian side of the government, the public side of Healthcare through CMS and the Defense Department. Brian? Yeah, in fact, uh, all our TRICARE uh, providers are also required to be Medicare providers. And so when I say TRICARE providers, I mean our, our network providers. So if you go to see a, a physician uh, out in the, the civilian sector and uh, they are also a Medicare provider, uh, by uh, our federal regulation, they will also be a TRICARE. Uh, authorized provider. All right. And so what is the rulemaking process at this point? Where do you stand in it? And when could it become something that's uh, operational? So at this point, we published our proposed rule on May 1. Um, it's currently uh, it's out for comment. Um, the, the comment period closes on July 1st. Uh, at that point, we'll evaluate all the comments that we've received um, and uh, plan a, a, a path forward. Um, if there's any revisions that need to be made pursuant to uh, any reviews and comments, uh, we will make those and decide. Um, tentatively, uh, we would, I think, uh, propose to, uh, barring any outcomes, uh, move this program forward uh, in the beginning, uh, early part of calendar year 2020. And getting back to the title of the program I mentioned in the beginning, Military, uh, uh, military Health Care Fraud and Abuse Prevention, what sort of Data analytics, what kind of mechanical programs do you also use besides whistleblowers to detect fraud? Do you use the kind of pattern matching uh, programs that, that uh, HHS uses and CMS? Yes, uh, we have a, a robust uh, analytics capability within the Defense Health Agency that we use for a variety of different things. In the uh, healthcare fraud arena, uh, we, we use analytics. We also use um, uh, medical utilization reviews. Uh, we also, uh, when we're talking about our, uh, our TRICARE network, uh, we rely on our uh, uh, TRICARE managed care support contractors and our uh, f- uh, pharmacy uh, benefits manager uh, to assist us as well in uh, ferreting out fraud cases. And a final question, when someone is found to cause defrauding, are they then debarred or suspended, to use a contracting term? What happens to them after they pay the fine? 
that's, that is an option that's authorized under our current regulation. And in appropriate cases, they, uh, they might well be barred or suspended uh, from the uh, TRICARE network. It depends on the nature of the case. Uh, another possibility, of course, in some cases, uh, the fraud, uh, you know, reaches uh, criminality and the Department of Justice uh, is heavily involved in, in those cases. And if they get knocked out of the defense health system, do they also get knocked out of CMS and vice versa? Sure. We do coordinate with HHS on a regular basis. There is an exclusion list uh, that we coordinate uh, for, with both agencies. And so generally, uh, they would be excluded from um, all federal health care programs uh, if there's a finding of fraud. But, uh, you know, all cases are different. We review on a case-by-case basis. Mike Zleet is Associate General Counsel and Brian Wheeler, Deputy General Counsel at the Defense Health Agency. Thank you both very much. Thank you. Thanks a lot. We'll post this interview along with a link to the proposed rule at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Listen to the Federal Drive on demand. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, If you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online.